Sunday dinner. There's just something about Sunday dinner that makes it the best meal of the week. Maybe it's the steaming bowls of mashed potatoes and thick brown gravy. Maybe it's the tasty tender chicken fried up golden brown. Whatever it is, Sunday dinner is it. The best meal of the week. Announcing the portable Sunday dinner by Colonel Sanders. He cooks up Kentucky Fried Chicken in his kitchen, then packs it up in his handy bucket. All you do is pick it up. Imagine, the best meal of the week travels everywhere, every day of the week. Okay, Colonel, hit the road. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Buff Bourguignon. French beef stew in red wine. We're going to serve it with braised onions and mushrooms and a wine dark sauce. It's a perfectly delicious dish. Oh. Uh-huh. So we could put in a little more tomato paste or a little more thyme. In this case, we're fortunately find it's just right. Now for the thickening of it. Now we want to get our pan hot and we're going to saute it in this first until it's brown and then we're going to put it in this pot in which we're going to cook it in the oven. Now this is going to go in a 325 oven and it should cook very, very slowly just at the bare simmer. And once it's in, except for checking the oven to make sure that it isn't bubbling and boiling. You don't have to look at it anymore. Then all let the sauce drain out. And then we simply put the stew back into the casserole. There. You want the flavor of the onions and the beef to all blend themselves with the stew. That's going a little too hard, so I'll put it at the side. There. In about two or three minutes, if you have it in the icebox, you heat it up very slowly and baste the meat with the sauce. And then, and then you cover it and, and simmer it very slowly for about two or three minutes until everything is tender and hot through. Well, now this is ready to serve. Right now. Howdy, folks. It's me, Colonel Sanders. <laughs> I've been going for a while, and boy, howdy, have things changed. Hello, and welcome to Eat It, the first part of a two-part podcast. The first part being about food, hence the title, Eat It. I am Clock Owens, and I am here with my partner in, in slime... Crime, Mr. Sal Manila. Make sure you wash your hands. I say always wash your hands after you touch any chicken. Filthy chickens. Filthy chickens. Covered in their own dung. And and speaking of <laughs> dung and chickens, this month's topic is one that I wanted to do because I, I, I don't know if this works with you, but I'm the type of guy that, that gets into tangents 
And I, I go hard and heavy on a topic, and I can't get it out of my mind until I am satisfied that I have possibly quenched my thirst for whatever it is I'm looking at. And and it, and and this started with with the whole Chick Fil A, um, Popeyes chicken. Oh, the sandwich kerfuffle. Yeah, it it started with that, and and then I started thinking about. Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken, and and I have heard over the years that, well, that's not what it used to be at all. It doesn't taste anything like it did when the Colonel was still alive, and it's just not the same. And and you know, my my uncle actually was the biggest Kentucky Fried Chicken fan. He had a heart attack and died getting out of the car with a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now. I, dedication yeah it, it's a this is a true story and and to me there was always one next to my house and i and it didn't play as big a part in my family um my my mother was an immigrant and we we didn't we didn't order out that much or we didn't go out for fast food was was Kentucky Fried Chicken something special that you had growing up? Was it something that that when you got it, it was like, wow, it's Kentucky Fried Chicken, and then it was like a, a big deal. It was a it was a big deal. I can't tell you where our we we didn't we only we after like it was only when I was very young that we even had a Kentucky Fried Chicken. I only have a couple memories of. You know, open it, having the bucket. Of, you know, you, you get the bucket of chicken, and then you get the bucket full of sides yeah. along with it, and only a few memories of it. But we did have one, and I remember the sign for the restaurant. So I must have been very young, but the sign had a big bucket on it yeah. too, and uh, you know, tip tip jauntily to the side. And uh, I think our Kentucky Fried Chicken closed down, and they're really like. As a kid, I really didn't eat fried chicken very much at all unless somebody's um, parents had made some. I would occasionally get some, and I can't remember which friend it was, but his mom made really great fried chicken. And that's what, uh, you know, and that, and like, I think in a way, fried chicken, I think, was invented so that you could uh, cook it and then eat it later at room temperature yeah yeah it was like a it was like a like traditional picnic food because you could cook it the night before you know wrap it up or, or cook it before you go on the picnic take it with you take it to the you know to the park and eat it and it tasted really good you know just cold or at room temperature and uh i remember eating more fried chicken that way than like you know kentucky fried chicken style for for us it was a like a big or but but you know a big ordeal when when it would happen it was always it would always be like at some party or something some pot uh-huh. that would always bring a bucket of Kentucky fried chicken and you would have it and you were like wow i mean this 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 this, this was good and and it, it was just something that 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 we weren't used to uh, we didn't we didn't make fried chicken and the only time we ever got it was um was if if my dad would bring some home and he loved it too 
But it was, I'd say if we ate it maybe, jeez, maybe five times a year or something, it would be, it would be a, a pretty much the norm and this was before you had like little boxes and all i mean we'll get into that later but but what we did know about was was the kernel uh and and i got i really wanted to find out about this guy because he was he's kind of an enigma um you didn't really know what was true about him or what wasn't true there are several books out there published about his life uh, but the most accurate and the best book uh, was published in 1981, and uh, I'm sorry, 82, and it's called The Colonel, the captivating biography of the, dy- of the dynamic founder of a fast food empire, uh, and it is written by a guy, named, a guy named John Ed Pierce, who actually knew the colonel. And and uh, wrote this book without with knowledge. I guess he, you know, with he had known him so long that he wrote everything that he knew about him. And if you would get one of the books that's out there that's written by Colonel Sanders, you're going to get a totally different view of what his life was like. Uh, this book, well, yeah, you're, it's like yeah. getting the P.T. Barnum autobiography, exactly. you know, this, or the George Herder autobiography. George Herder, yeah. This guy was was just a badass. I mean, he he didn't become this millionaire until after he was retired from all of his other gigs, you know. Uh, and, and and if you think you know, if you think that that he was was just this this guy that invented chicken, it, you're you're wrong. I mean, this this is a story that that I would recommend. If you can hunt out this book, it's not it, it's not a cheap book. If you can find it used, I got it for twenty bucks used, and some copies are going for a hundred dollars used. And the worst part was I was Yikes. yeah, I was just about halfway through it, and I left it on the airplane. <laughs> so I was so pissed that I had to go out and find another copy. And I usually wouldn't do that, but I just I just had to figure out how this how this story ended and i found another copy and i i probably overpaid i think i paid like maybe 30 dollars for it used on some independent website but but it was well worth it and um and i it, it it's just a great story so uh, let, let's talk a little bit about um harland david sanders now he was born on September 9th, 1890, in the town of Henryville, Indiana. Now, we're not even talking Kentucky here. He was born in a four-room house, and the oldest, he was the oldest of three children. Now, his father was a mild and kind man who farmed his 80-acre farm until he broke his leg. And after the fall, he couldn't farm anymore, and uh, he went and worked as a butcher in Henryville, uh, now, Colonel Sanders' mother was a hard-ass Christian lady, like that fire and brimstone type of Christian woman with you know, no tobacco, no gambling, and even no whistling on Sundays, if you can believe that. When you see a picture of her, that's what she looks like. <laughs> oh, ab- absolutely. You know, and, 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 and I always wondered why people of that time period 
when they see pictures, when they, they took pictures, they always looked like they were frowning. And, and I didn't know why. I thought maybe it was because uh, they had to sit for a while for the picture to be exposed or something. But I recently read an article, and do you, do you know why most people sat with, with that type of look on their face and didn't smile? Because they were miserable fucks and their teeth were rotten <laughs> out of their head? I don't know yeah, <laughs> why. <laughs> their teeth. I said that most people had horrid teeth during really? that. Really? Oh, my God. I was just no, guessing. I was no, just like guessing it's something no, that would be painful and make you miserable. But Absolutely correct. Most people uh, during that time period had horrible teeth. and they if didn't want to look British. Up, yeah, exactly. So that's why they, they – you would see young kids smile a lots of times, but any older adults would just sit there with their with that grimace on their face because they didn't dare smile because they had – it would look horrible, if you can imagine. Anyway, that that's what uh, what Colonel Harlan Sanders' mothers looked like. You said exactly. No no tobacco, no gambling, no whistling. And, and, to, uh, and to her credit um, – uh, Harlan Sanders didn't drink, um, and he didn't smoke, but he did like women. I mean, let's not, I mean, the man was definitely not a saint. Now, his trouble started when his father died in 1895, and his mother had to go work at a tomato cannery. Um, uh, and little Harlan was, uh, left to look after his brother and sisters. And by himself, being it's just what he had to do. His mother would walk to work. Sometimes she would just have to stay in town because the walk was so far back to get to their cabin that Arlen had to take care of the kids for an entire night and an entire day the next day. And that is where he credited his learning how to cook. I mean, he figured that he had watched his mom cook all this time, so he just picked it up from her. And he discovered he had a knack for cooking. One example is he would bake a batch of biscuits and run them over to his mother's at work, and all of his mother's co-workers would pinch him on the cheek and tell him how cute he was, and it really pissed him off. He didn't he didn't he didn't like a lot of attention. He, well, well, he loved attention, but he, he didn't he didn't like that type of crap. You know, he didn't have no time for that. And later on, his mother wound up remarrying, and their family moved to Indiana. Now. His uncle was uh, – I mean his stepfather was kind of an asshole, didn't get along with him very well, and uh, he took off and tried to do some farming, but farming was not for him. I mean he did not want to farm. As a matter of fact, the first few places that he went to get hired, he actually got let go by the people that, that, uh, that hired him because he just wasn't any good at it. He would just daydream most of the time, and uh, – he, later on, one of his uncles got him a job as a streetcar conductor, and then he falsified his birth date, and he joined the army, and he served in Cuba. And then he got back in 1907, and that began his love of the railroad. What you don't – people don't understand is that Colonel Sanders was a railroad man, true and true at heart. He loved the railroad. And that's what he really wanted to do. After, as a young man, he would just want to be working the railroad. And but his problem was, he got into a lot of fights. He, you see, Colonel Sanders was kind of an asshole, and and 
<laughs> it, it, it it's true. You don't because you you know. I remember seeing pictures of him on TV, and and I've even looked at some YouTube videos of him making chicken. And here's this kindly old man, but he he could be the nicest guy that you ever met in the world, but he could also be this grand asshole if he didn't like you, or if he didn't, or if you pissed him off. So that's something that I learned about him um, that I didn't know before. Uh, he later on he wound up losing his job after mm. brawling with a colleague, and then he went to work for another railroad. And yeah, by this time he had a wife, uh, Josephine, and uh, some children. But she was pissed off. She went to live with her parents. And later, one of the stories was that Sanders was actually going to go kidnap his daughter and crawled through the fields to get to his mother-in-law's house and his father-in-law sitting on a rocking chair and said, Hey, what you doing there, there Harlan? And he just kind of walked up there sheepishly and they just sat and rocked together and finally went in and talked to this woman that he, that he had uh, married and uh, they patched things up. But, but his first wife was not sexual. She didn't want anything to do with sex other than you know just to have kids so that 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 there was never any real love between them so harlan it was finger licking no good finger licking no good and then you would think that 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 he might have been able to settle down but he didn't he actually went into law that colonel sanders was a lawyer and and he did it for three years through a correspondence course and it and he was actually doing quite well until uh, his legal career ended in the courtroom where he actually got into a physical brawl with his own client who said he that he wasn't going to pay Sanders. So he lost his job there again. And then he moved on to getting a job selling life insurance for the Prudential Life Insurance Company. But he was fired from that job for insubordination. And he moved to Louisville, and he got a job. All these guys have to do at least one stint selling insurance. Yes, yeah. funny. But but the thing is, is, is you would think Colonel Sanders was was always just a chicken guy. He wasn't. This this is this is incredible. And and you know he he lost his job at the Mutual Benefit Life Insurance Company of New Jersey, and then he became, in 1920, a river. He he started this riverboat company. So then he became Mark Twain. Yeah, he became Mark Twain and 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 and, uh, and uh, Steamboat Willie, and he operated this on the Ohio River between Jacksonville and uh, Louisville, and and he made good money for himself on this. It was an instant success, and it made him a pillar of the community, and this is where he was actually um, awarded the title of Colonel. You know, in in Kentucky, you can get – colonel is an honorary title. He was never – you know, he didn't make it into a colonel in the military. He didn't do anything like that. He became colonel because he was a very, very, very um, beloved member of the community. Uh, and so that's how he got the name Colonel Sanders, and, and he kept it. Later on, he used it more, but we're going to get to that. Uh, and you know, later on, he after he he decided he got tired of being a ferry boat captain, and he cast in his money uh, for the ferry boat company, which is about twenty two thousand dollars. And then he used this money to selling uh, acetylene lamps, uh, 
But that went under because very shortly, very time, uh, right after that, Delco introduced the electric lamp. And so he was fucked. And, and, and so what's the guy going to do? I mean, he's got kids. He's not getting any younger. He moves to Kentucky and works as a salesman for Michelin Tires. He lost his job in 1924 when Michelin closed its New Jersey manufacturing plant. And then he met a guy who had a general oil gas station in Kentucky and asked him, hey, man, why don't you run my station in Nicholasville? In 1930, that station closed as a result of the Great Depression. So here we're, here we're talking to a guy that, that – you know, nothing's going right for him. Nothing is going right for him at all. He, he well, did... it is a depression, so at yeah. least, like, he's... But he's one of those guys that he's just always going to find work. You know, it sounds like he could just walk into yeah. a place and like, let me tell you what I can sell. Everything. And that's very true. He was never without work. He found work all the time. Now, through this, of course, he also did find a mistress... In a uh, Mrs. Clara Leiden Price. Now this All work is and no play. This is an important name to remember because he set her up as a manager of a restaurant that he opened and a hotel, and she pr- and she pretty much ran this place. Uh, in 1947, he and his first wife finally got a divorce. Okay, and he married. Uh, Claudia, I'm sorry, it's Claudia Leadington Price. He married her, and and they stayed married, and uh, and and that's where Sanders was, you know, started to use his Kentucky Colonel um, nom de plume. It was given to him by Governor Lawrence Weatherby. Now, here's where it gets interesting. He could always cook, and he had this restaurant and hotel. And he figures that, you know, he's going to go into the hotel and cooking business. So he opens his first franchise for his secret recipe of Kentucky Fried Chicken. And uh, the first franchise that he sold it to was a guy named Pete Harmon. And this guy was from South, uh, South, was from South Salt Lake City, Utah. And I have act- – this, this – this, this Kentucky Fried Chicken is still there, and I have been there. It's it's a monument. They have a Kentucky Fried Chicken um, buffet that you can go in there. But Pete was the only guy that believed in him at first, and and Pete became a millionaire. And 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 Sanders and Sanders uh, never forgot that, never did. And at this time, all of the restaurants were done by just a shaking of hands. You know, here's my secret recipe, and you can go on YouTube and you can see an interesting. Uh, clip of of Colonel Sanders cooking his chicken live on TV, and and he's he's doing it, man. He's cooking the chicken, and 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 for every chicken that this guy sold, he gave Colonel Sanders four percent, four cents on every chicken. Now he always had a lot of faith in his restaurant in North Corbin, and it was going to remain successful indefinitely. But at age sixty five. He sold it after an interstate came by and wound up kind of taking all the traffic away from from the restaurant. But then later again, but later he opened another restaurant with his wife, Claudia, again, and and uh, it did quite well. And 
it and he's cooking his food you know in his in his restaurant and it's really good food everyone loves it and a guy comes in one day and he's selling these pressure cookers and the pressure cookers are for you know potatoes and you can put your green beans and your fat back in there and you can make this stuff in 10 minutes where it would take it three hours and Sanders loved the idea he thought it was great and he bought some of these pressure cookers and he starts to think well what if I could make this work for fried chicken no one had done it before wasn't recommended to do it even I today thought about making the fried chicken taste test in these in a pressure cooker but it's just not recommended to do. Well, that's the thing is there, and he was also like, let's use this pressure cooker that we're putting hot water and let's put some hot oil in it. Yeah, we had exactly. one of those pressure cookers for a short amount of time at one of my jobs and they were the scariest things they, in the world. They, they really are. I was researching them and, and they're huge, huge machines that, 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 that demand constant attention and, and, if something was to happen and they were to blow up, it would just be, it would just be terrible, you know. But he for but but the human was, cost would be unimaginable. Oh my God, he was not going to stop until he could figure out a way to fry chicken in this cooker, and 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 he didn't, and he he figured it out, and it cooked. You know, the secret recipe for cooking chicken in a pressure fryer, and this cooked chicken faster than a frying pan. And gas was being rationed at this time. This is World War II, and 1941. So why not try and, and cook this chicken this way? And, and it worked. And it worked on a limited scale, and he did it at his restaurants. But, of course, being Colonel Sanders and being the type of guy that he was – it, it didn't suit him. So he takes off on the road and he wants to franchise his his chicken making. And and things were tough, man. I mean, here's this guy leaving his wife, driving down the road to every little restaurant, every mom and pop place, and trying to franchise Kentucky fried chicken. And Drew you know, just drew hard, hard work. He's 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 at retirement age, you know? And he finally starts getting his chicken recognized throughout the country. And and that's pretty much how it started. I mean, it, you can still – he made so much money that he reopened his restaurant that he had closed in Shelbyville as Claudia Sanders, the uh, the colonel's lady, which would later get him, him into a lot of trouble because – Shortly after he had – he was tired. He was getting fat. He was getting old, and, and he just wasn't into driving around and selling his product. But, but he had enough franchises now that, that he could do it, and he finally did sell his company, uh, which was probably the worst thing that, that a guy like him ever could do. But he sold it for great money, and he was able to keep – the franchising rights for Canada and uh, like Japan and places overseas and England. So he got to keep that. But he was never – they were smart enough to keep him on 
as the face of Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know? And so this is where he started wearing his white suit everywhere, and the company had him making commercials, and but he still had a say. He was on the board. And, and this is where he started to go a little crazy, as you can expect. And this is where people – this is in the 70s now we're talking – where people were starting to notice that maybe this chicken wasn't as good as it was before. Now, what do you think the first thing would be that that they would cut to save costs on on making his chicken? And you know they were going to do it. Probably the quality of the chicken. The quality of the chicken. The quality of the chicken went down dramatically. They bought cheaper chicken. Colonel Sanders always used milk, fresh eggs, dredged his chicken in the milk and fresh eggs, and then threw it into his secret blend of spices and then fried it. Well, people started to cut corners. These franchises, they were using powdered eggs or powdered milk to try and save money. And the old man would, would just walk around. He would drive around and just go into any type of Kentucky Fried Chicken that was open that was under his name. And if the food wasn't good, he'd go ape shit. I mean, literally ape shit. He would just... How awesome would that be to see Colonel Sanders freaking out in your local oh. Kentucky Fried Chicken? You know, he was... One of the things he was most proud of was his gravy. His gravy was his baby. He it was, it was, he's, he once said that, you know what, I would rather not eat the chicken and just drink my gravy. Well, of course, it wasn't going to last. The company had told him that it's just too... It's not cost-effective to make the gravy that you want to make, so they changed it. And you talk to people today, and they still love Kentucky Fried Chicken gravy, and I wish I would have been able to taste it when when it was really, really, really good, you know? But it, but he was just – he could be the most generous man in the world, and he was. He donated money to every charity. Even Mark, the mayor of the alley, saw him speak one time. Of course, he says he was about seven years old. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I said, well, what did you? What did he talk about? I, I really don't remember. I remember he was wearing a white suit, and it was it was in it was in Kentucky. And I said, well, was every well, you'll be okay as long as nobody else around you was all dressed in white with hoods right. on. And he goes, no, no, no. I don't know what it was about, but I remember seeing him, and I was, well, that's pretty cool. You got to see the colonel. And but one of the uh, the good stories was he was eating breakfast with his wife on one of his many road trips to try and check out his restaurants where he ordered some scrambled eggs. Now, he liked his eggs done very particular. Uh, his eggs weren't – his eggs were shit. His scrambled eggs were not done the way he liked it. So he gets up and he says, who made these goddamn eggs? Send them back to the chef and tell him to make these goddamn eggs right. Well, the chef, of course, you know, he's – pissed he just throws the same eggs back on the on the fryer on the skillet and just browns them a little more and takes them back out well colonel sanders just stood up walked into the kitchen threw the goddamn plate of eggs against the wall and told and told that guy that he doesn't know how to cook worth a shit well the next thing you know the chef is chasing colonel sanders out of the fucking rest restaurant with a cleaver running around with a cleaver, trying just 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 trying to, to kill the guy, you know, and that's just the type of guy that, that he was, incredibly, incredibly kind, 
if he liked you, if he didn't like you, he was he could be the worst person in the world. But the company knew how important it was. I mean, you remember, of course, growing up seeing Colonel Sanders commercials in just about everything. You know, he was the voice of the company. And and, and tell me, how many Colonel Sanders Christmas albums do you see when you're at the garage sailing? Constantly. Constantly. You see constant, constant uh, piles of – so they knew how to market the old man, and they, they didn't want to get rid of him. And But he still had a seat on the board. And – and they when you should when one of the hardest things they did was when they tried to introduce extra crunchy chicken because of a little place that opened called Popeyes. Popeyes gave Kentucky Fried Chicken the first run for its money because their chicken was extra crunchy. And so they wanted to follow suit. Colonel would have nothing to do with it. So they tricked them. They 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 gave him a they made him do a commercial and they they gave him a piece of the extra crunchy chicken he ate it on the commercial went through the the whole thing you know and and later on they told him that it was extra crunchy and he was pissed but he went around with it anyway he also didn't like carrots in the coleslaw he hated that you know and and but but he went along with it anyway and as and as he got older you know he finally started to get very vocal about how Kentucky Fried Chicken was just, it was garbage. He would get up in front of these huge conventions and tell all the stockholders that, you know, this food is garbage. You're, you're bringing down my company, you know, and, and, and the uh, executives would laugh and go, oh, the colonel, he is very, very outspoken, you know, that's, that's the way he is. And, uh, but, but he, he was outspoken. But there was no way that he could run a business that was as big as his with a handshake. And and as he got older, he started to look for plots. To He was going to get buried in. He designed his own grave plot, this beautiful thing with, with, with pillars and, and an ionic and Doric Greek revival and a big plaster, a big sculpture of his face. He would just spend the day walking around his his uh, his plot, you know. And finally, in 1980, he was diagnosed with leukemia. And uh, I thought you were gonna say chicken pox. Yeah, chicken pox. <laughs> that would have been fucked up. <laughs> chicken pox, and the colonel died on December 16, 1980, at the age of 90. He refused to believe that he was going to die when he got this diagnosis. And Sanders, he remained active until the month before his death, appearing in his white suits to crowds. And his body lay in the state, in state, in the rotunda of the Kentucky State Capitol in Frankfurt after a funeral service at the Southern Baptist uh, Theological Seminary Chapel. And it was attended by more than a thousand people. If you can believe that, then they slowly people. lowered him into a vat of boiling <laughs> grease, say, into a basket of boiling, <laughs> boiling, a basket of boiling oil, <laughs> and he was buried in his traditional white suit and black western string tie in that Cave Hill Cemetery in Louisville. See, if the Mayans had become the dominant culture, they would have lowered him into a vat of grease as they oh. sacrificed ten thousand chickens on his chicken altar. I I just I I I found his story 
just just fascinating and uh it's herder-esque herder-esque <laughs> kentucky fried chicken is now owned by by pepsico and and when i look at these commercials that, that they're having of the colonel and with all these movie stars doing you know impersonations of the colonel and 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 I was going there the other day, and they were offering a, a chicken sandwich that was a Cheeto chicken sandwich. It was a chicken breast with Cheetos, cheese sauce, and real crunchy Cheetos on it. And I was just going, oh, God. They never would have went for that. And then they had the, 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 the sandwich. It was two pieces of chicken breast, cheese, and ham in the middle, and that was the sandwich. Yep. It... Well, it's like appealing to like internet, like, you know, just sort of like stay at home people who are like, who are like, look at the cut. It's like the same people who went crazy with bacon, where they had to talk about bacon all the time because bacon was delicious and bacon is, is, is uh, Chuck Norris and stuff like that. So it's, but it's like, it's, it's like the celebration of being over the top gross or like over the top processed food and and doubling down on the fries or on the fried aspect of it and shit which is funny because they changed their name to kfc to to avoid the word fried in the title they did they did change the name to kfc to avoid to to get to get away from that but i i guess you're right that you that you have to move with the times if you're not going to if you're not going once to you're owned by PepsiCo, it's over. You know, there's yeah. not going to be any like PepsiCo isn't going to have their, you know, PepsiCo didn't raise Kentucky Fried Chicken from a from a recipe up to a franchise. They they're just yeah they're gonna they're gonna run it for money. That being said, there's still you know Kentucky Fried Chicken's still okay. It is in my opinion inferior to Popeyes. Yeah, I feel the as same we said in our fast food episode. Yeah, I, I I do, and and I wish that if there's anyone out there that remembers what it, if they can, you know, taste some type of difference. I mean, to me, it probably still tastes the same as it did when I was a kid. I don't really remember, but to a large group of people out there, it it is not the same product. It is. It, See, I didn't eat enough of it to know. You yeah, know? and and I and I didn't either. I was more fascinated by the man. If I go out for fried chicken now, if I have my choice, I'm going to go to an independent fried chicken shop that's been there for a long time. Uh, Nashville has hot chicken. And some of these places like Prince's, and they've been there forever, and they make, you know, they'll fry that chicken in a cast iron skillet, and that and that is good stuff. I, I notice that places like Popeye's, and Kentucky Fried Chicken use pieces of chicken that are that are tiny. You pick mm-hmm. up a drumstick, and it's a tiny little drumstick. I don't know where they're getting these chickens from, but they're not they're not big, and and it's not a cheap meal either. To buy like a full meal of Kentucky Fried Chicken, it's going to cost you close to almost twenty seven or twenty six dollars. You know, when you can go to Costco and buy a rotisserie chicken for for five dollars and and it's 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 not cost effective and making your own fried chicken is super cost effective oh yeah yeah i mean that's that's fun and cost effective and 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 that's something that that we did today 
Yeah, uh, and I just want to say, if you want to, if you're just joining in on this episode, if you go back to eat it, eat it number thirteen, where we covered fast food, we we did talk about, and I I, I had this had this book called uh, Big Secrets that had the, you know, we've taken the, you know, they did lab tests on Kentucky Fried Chicken. And this is the recipe. So we gave out the secret recipe, which was very anticlimactic because it was very few ingredients. Yeah. But we've taken it. Well, I should say we, I should say you have taken it one step further and deeper. I have. A few years ago, the Chicago Tribune got, got in touch with a member of Colonel Sanders' wife second wife who still own that restaurant and apparently in the basement dated 1973 they found this notebook and this notebook had the original or what they what it said to be the original um recipe for kentucky fried chicken if you can believe that uh they had and it did have you know it, it did have just the just the amount of ingredients, and and it was written in in uh, in this notebook. And the Chicago Tribune went ahead and published it. And I'll let you know what was in this, according to the Chicago Tribune. Uh, and and this this is is supposed to be the original recipe. But you know how many original recipes are out there that they say. But this particular one made a lot of. Uh, rounds on the internet a few years back. Now it takes two cups of white flour, two-thirds tablespoons of salt, one-half tablespoon of thyme, one-half tablespoon of basil, one-third tablespoon of oregano, one tablespoon of celery salt, one tablespoon of black pepper, tablespoon of dried mustard, four tablespoons of paprika, which I thought was odd. That was quite a lot of paprika. Two tablespoons of garlic salt, one tablespoon of ground ginger, three tablespoons of white pepper, and monosodium glutinate, something that has gotten such a bad name over the years, but it is simply just a chemical that scientists have copied molecule by molecule in Japan that, that's in seaweed. Chemically, mm-hmm. it's the exact same thing that's in the seaweed that, that gives that unami flavor that we have mentioned before on the show a lot. Uh, so it, the, the government is, has just – they've never said that there's anything – they can't prove there's anything really wrong with it. Some people say that it gives them allergic reactions, but, I mean, we eat that stuff in everything from potato chips. My grandfather used to get screaming headaches from it. Really? Uh-huh. It's but it, it it's tough to find it, uh, at, not as an ingredient in almost any food. Anything, so it's, yeah. It's just about in everything. So it takes monosodium glutinate, takes buttermilk, one beaten egg, and then the chicken, and you dredge the chicken in the in the uh, milk and the egg, and then you put it through your batter and you fry it. And that was supposed to be the uh, the secret herbs and spices to kentucky fried chicken but you know we couldn't wrap up an episode of eat it without seeing what our good friend 
George Leonard Herter of Bull Cook and Authentic Historic Recipes and Practices in Volume 3. Ding, um, ding, ding versus Colonel Sanders. Yes, versus Colonel Sanders. And you cannot come up with two different types of recipes, believe it or not. Um, this recipe is is called Chicken and Fish by Captain McNeil. Okay. Now, it says John McNeil was born in 1847, January 3rd, on a small farm in north-central Georgia. His father and mother were southern Irish immigrants. His mother's maiden name was Sheila Fry, and she used a small farm to furnish food for the family. His profession was building wooden bridges and churches. There were four good-looking brothers in the family, John, Peter, Michael, Shane, and Patrick, and three beautiful girls. I'm going into Irish brogue here. Sheila, Patricia, and Mary. But something happened on April 12th in 1861. The Confederate forces opened fire on Fort Sumter, and the war between the states lasted four bloody years. Now, inflation hit the South, and the Confederate dollar went from 90 cents in gold to 6 cents. Now, if you wanted to buy a potato, you had to pay $100 a bushel, and coffee was $40 a pound. The Confederacy went through what the United States is going through right now, inflation that will never nor can ever be stopped. No one or no method can bring money from inflating that is not backed by gold. Oh, wow. <laughs> he was an early, uh, oh, man, yeah. early adopter. Yeah, exactly. Now, being Irish, the McKees <laughs> did not hold back one bit on enlisting, and John enlisted at the age of 14 in the infantry, and he was captain by 17. Now, John was the only one that survived of the family. Every other brother was killed, believe it or not. And now it's then and to make matters worse, his mother was shot by northern soldiers and their father was hung in a tree in his own front yard by northern soldiers as well. The home and farm buildings were burned and the land taken over by a New York immigrant by the name of Morton Samuel Davis, who was quick to steal property as a carpetbagger. So, John had to get a new start in life, and he had enough money to get a small farm and go back to building wooden churches and bridges. But he was a natural cook, and his fried chicken makes Kentucky Fried Chicken, and that uh, makes Kentucky Fried Chicken, and the so-called Southern Fried Chicken taste like the work of a mud pie-making child. Here is his authentic and priceless recipe. Make a batter as follows. Shift one bowl, half a cup of cornstarch, half a cup of white flour, one level teaspoon of salt, one eighth level teaspoon of pepper, one sixteenth level of ground nutmeg. In this modern day, I add one fourth level of monosodium glutinate. All the ingredients should be mixed together. Beat one egg in one cup of water. Then blend the dry ingredients in a bowl and the water with the egg. Use the batter for French frying. 
your chicken first, then bake it in the oven until it's done. There's nothing like it. Produces a white, completely crisp, non-greasy batter, entirely different from any batter you've ever used. It's not doughy like Kentucky Fried Chicken or Southern Batter Chicken at all. Works just perfect for fish and shrimp as well as chicken. So, I had spent the day frying two. Did you make this over the garage or at home? I made it at home because I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't uh, make too much. I mean, about maybe, maybe six pieces of each. I used thighs and wings and. And so um, they look I, – I, I sent you a picture. Mm -hmm. They look radically different. Completely different, yes. Completely different. Um, the alleged Kentucky Fried Chicken one is craglier. I mean, it, it, you know, it looks nice. I mean, it, it's fried chicken. But George Leonard Herder's looks really nice. I mean, it's just like he said it was. It's, it's white – it's it, it's crispy that would be from the um the cornmeal and it does not have a lot of spices it, it just has monosodium glutinate pepper salt and um nutmeg which i love the taste of nutmeg i knew he would have something nutmeg something, in yeah. there yeah so so um i'm gonna take a taste of both of these and see which one is better which one um, they see if our Kentucky Fried Chicken wannabe tastes like Kentucky Fried Chicken, or I, I, I guess I'll go ahead now and, and I'll start with that one there first. Okay. Okay. Here's a here's a leg here. Let's see. This is it. You know, it, it's a crack. It doesn't look like Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's 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 craglier, but let's see what that tastes like, huh? It's good. It's good chicken. Doesn't taste like Kentucky Fried Chicken at all. Could use a little more white pepper or salt. But it's really, it's really pretty good. I wouldn't say it at all tastes like Kentucky Fried Chicken though. But it's not bad fried chicken. Okay, I'm gonna wash that down. No, I'm excited to taste this George Leonard. That was your palate, yes. Yeah. No, I'm excited to taste this George Leonard Herder chicken here and see what this tastes like. So this is a batter dough, but it doesn't look like a batter dough. It's, it's light. So it doesn't look like tempura. Yes, exactly. It doesn't look like tempura. And I'll post some pictures of this so everyone can see this. So... Mmm. Oh, oh yeah. so is uh is Herder delivering the knockout punch? That's what that this sounded like. This 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 is really good. Ah. You can just taste a hint of the nutmeg there. Just a, a touch of nutmeg. Uh, it's not it's not salty. It's got, you can taste the pepper. I would have, if I, if I made this again, I would add more white pepper. But, this is really good. So, yeah. The Chicago Sun Tribune. It's fried chicken. But for all the ingredients in there, 
and the spices, it really doesn't have as much flavor as the herder chicken does with just four spices. And it's perfectly done. I don't know if it was because we finished it in the oven for a little while, but God damn you, George Leonard Herder. You win again. Curse you, sir. You've done it again. And that, and that, God, I almost want to have another bite of that. that battle that, from beyond the grave. Battle, yep. The, the colonel would probably be spinning in his grave right now to know that, that I picked uh, George Leonard Hearn. He probably knew the colonel if I, you know, I'm sure they were buddies. But, <laughs> Even if he didn't know the colonel, he knew the colonel. Yeah, you knew the colonel. But, but man, this, that, that is, is really good. I think out of all the Herder recipes that we've done, that might be Ooh. the best one. It, it, it really, it really might be the best recipe. I mean, it's it it's so the the I'll post a picture. It is so thin, crispy. It's not it's not dark brown. It, it's just it's just really good, and it's the type of thing you'd want to take on a picnic. It almost makes you want to put a string tie on. And but 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 uh, that is and 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 that's the history on on fried chicken. I I knew I do I did a lot of the talking on this one here today but it was a hell of a book <clears throat> excuse me a hell of a book that i recommend that if you really want a good read you don't have to be into the fried chicken you don't have to be into any of that you just have to be it's into a great story of someone that like it or not was a great successful american story of a man that 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 Worked his entire life in a lot of jobs and did not become a millionaire until retirement age, and and that's just that's just a great story, you know, it it really is. And and if you want to read a, if you want to read something like that, a, a success story, find this book. Look for it at uh, on eBay or Amazon. Once in a while, somebody will have a used copy of it available. And, and I, I recommend it. I recommend uh, checking this book out. It's a fun read from the beginning till the end. And, and, and that's, that, that's my thoughts on, on fried chicken. One of the, one of the foods I love. And, uh, and uh, how, about, how, how about you? Any closing thoughts on, on chicken? Fried chicken in general? I love, I love me some fried chicken. It's not on my... Me like I have no way to fry it at home, so I never make my own fried chicken. I have a Kentucky Fried Chicken within bike riding distance of of me, but I don't hit it up too often. I like it, but if I had a Popeyes there, I'd be eating it all the time. I really miss there was there was a Jamaican restaurant that opened for just a few short months, but every Monday the the woman who worked in there, the like matriarch of the of the place, would make her fried chicken. I'm and sure. it was unbelievable, you know. I'm I'm sure she was like soaking it, you you know, in buttermilk and flavor before. It was just the most perfectly simple, perfectly cooked fried chicken, and, and it was great. And there's so many different ways to make fried chicken. Everyone makes it 
My sister-in-law used to make the best fried chicken, but she the fried chicken that's been made in the alley has been some of the best fried chicken. That yeah. was the, the the last great fried chicken I had was that garlic fried the chicken. Garlic fried chicken. Look was, back was, a couple episodes and you'll was, hear about that. That really was delicious fried chicken, but my sister-in-law made great fried chicken. But but over the past few years, she's tried to tweak the recipe here and there, and it doesn't taste the same. But everyone has a different way to do it, and everyone is always experimenting with it to try and get it perfect. And that's why I'm so impressed with this herder recipe because it has nutmeg, something that you would never think about putting in chicken. And and it's it's so simple. And it tastes no, it doesn't taste as good as the garlic fried chicken, but it it it's just really, really good. And and uh, there you go. What what is more American than, than fried chicken? And Uncle Al, if you're up there listening to me, uh, uh, th- this one's for you, and um, and and your love for the Colonel. And uh, if, I guess if I had to pick a way for you to go out, I can't think of a better way than you to go out holding a 12-piece on the driveway coming out of your Cadillac. <laughs> Sit up straight and look me in the eye. Do you hate people talking to you the way I'm talking to you right now? Then what the hell are you going to do about it? Don't answer me. I'll tell you. You're going to march over to House of Man and stock up on some supplements. While I'm at your house mounting your wife, you can pick up some Demonzacorp Mega Homunculoid Formula X. Choke down a couple buckets of these horse pills, and your frame will swell into a rippling mass of muscles and conflicting hormonal impulses. Once your body is all bulked up, you will need a case of Dr. Frank Horney's Grow, so your head, hands, and feet don't look freakishly small compared to your hulking frame. Still feel like curling up and dying? Grab a gallon of our all-protein caveman animal slurry. Leather up and belly up to our beverage bar. We got our zesty prostate punch. Ward off temptation with no homo milk in plain and chocolate. Feeling tired, little guy? Then guzzle up on some of this Heisenberg Formula Energy Drink. Now with a new recipe that doesn't turn your poop blue. On your way out, maybe you want to pick up some Navy SEAL cookies for your kids so they don't turn out all pathetic and wormy like you. So tuck your tail between your legs and slink over to the House of Man at 5149 Cloverleaf Road. We'll send you home a nail-spitting, steel-wool-shitting alpha male. Or my name is Gunny Sergeant Frank Horney of the USMC, which it legally is not. Welcome to Beat It, a podcast about the pornographies. I am Cecil B. DeMilf, and I am here with fellow filmmaker Jürgen Wienerschleiden. Hello. And uh, we are both currently uh, banned from the United States, but... <laughs> um, We've come up with an unusual episode t- 
today instead of actually like reviewing or talking about like a celebrity or or a movie or or a filmmaker or or something like that we decided and um it just at the spur of the moment what would we do what what would be the the porn movie that that either one of us would make if we had the opportunity to make a a, a pornographic movie what would be our magnum opus uh, of of porn and we sort of left it at that left it open to uh um how we were going to present it so both of us have come up with our little presentation of of how our 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 movie would uh would play out um i have a feeling jurgens is going to be a little more organized than mine uh as when we get to mine i'll uh i'll I'll tell you a little i'll let you in a little bit on the creative process of how it came to be know a little bit on my my creative process too uh I think this was the next step for us. I mean, we have we have seen we have definitely watched enough movies and mm-hmm. and learned enough from the masters that I, I I'm tired of being the Padawan man. If Gregory you know, Dark could do it, right? Yeah, right? I'm, not, I'm not the Padawan anymore. We we are definitely ready to sit on a council and and move up to the next step. You know, and and anyone out there listening to it, I mean, this could be it, man. This could be the big break. The, the big break this is going to be quality stuff i mean quality stuff this is right yeah because you know since since it's theoretically theoretical it's not like we're in some place where they're like okay you got to make a porn movie that makes money or anything we can just do whatever it's we get to we get to fully you know go to the artistic well and and drink deep yes time. and you know this could be a book on tape you know mm-hmm. and and then you know a la npr who knows did, did we, we we could be we could be the next direct uh, the next david sadaris or, or or this could be a weekly thing andy rooney who knows we, we could we could definitely be at the end of every rialto report who the, knows where this could lead us to the andy rooney's of porn yeah. <laughs> 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 when you think you're gonna finish coming and all of a sudden another one comes out <laughs> you ever notice they always go from missionary to doggy style and never the other way around why what? is that why do my balls touch the water when I take a shit now <laughs> <laughs> okay with that it's not <clears throat> we are being much more original here so so yeah, something that I think everyone will enjoy, and it might even be a Christmas tradition. You know, you can you can read it to your family like you would Dickens' A Christmas Carol every year. It, it, it feel free to take it and, and add it, write it back in the last pages of your family Bible. Yep, and uh, and this is going to be a fun show also because n- neither of us have uh, are really it, we've discussed our titles uh, and stuff, but none of us, are, neither of us, have really. Uh, have heard the proposal or each other's pitch yet so it's gonna it's gonna be fun i have no no i i have (laughs) i have ideas of what to expect from the title of yours but um and i've i've 
heard a couple stories in in the course of our friendship that <laughs> that I think might pop up in there. But uh, you know, I, I'll I'll uh, I'll have to wait and see. But not long. Are you ready? I yeah yeah I I I am ready. You can um you can bring me in. Welcome to Beat It. Tonight's presentation is Memory Masturbatoria by Jürgen Wienerschleiden. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And the let before we begin Act One, let I let me just say that the names of this story have been changed to protect the innocence. And of course to protect myself as well. Because some of these people I still hang around with. So let us begin. Act one. Look, Doc. I'm not one of those guys who has a problem seeing a shrink. Nah, not me. I mean, I used to know a gal who told me everyone could benefit from some kind of therapy. I used to spend a lot of time with her. She was always kind of crazy. Uh, you, 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 you see, Doc, I've always liked them crazy. It's all in the eyes, you know. I can tell if a chick is crazy just by looking in her eyes. To me, the crazier the better. Well, that's if you ask me. It's just my thing. Well, anyway, this chick, she started sneaking into my apartment and taking my booze. Now, the booze I really didn't care so much about because I'm more of a social drinker. I don't drink at home very much unless it's going to get me anywhere. I mean, I had crappy liquor. I mean, who the hell steals Bailey's Irish Cream and Captain Morgan's? Who even drinks that shit? But uh, when my pills started to disappear, well, I can't have that shit, so I, uh, I took my key back. She went nuts. I mean, she would call and leave me all kinds of crazy messages. Now, it's been 10 years, and I'm still getting drunk messages from her. Now, she recently sued a friend of mine for $1,000. Now, she'd given him this money as a gift, but saw to it that she wanted it back all of a sudden. And uh, he uh, sent me pictures of her and what she looked like. It, she looked like she gained about 150 pounds. It looks kind of like Kathy Bates. She was really attractive in her day, though. Now, my wife says I should keep all the messages she sends me just in case she comes after me. Oh, I, I did I forget to tell you I'm married? Yeah, 10 years great gal. Well, I, I guess that's why I'm here. You see, I, I, I can't stop thinking about other women I've slept with. Uh, it's, it's mostly at night in bed or in the shower. And uh, I don't have to tell you what that leads to, do I, Doc? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all ours. I, I, I can't get them out of my mind. I mean, take for example this girl. Her, her, her name was Belle. 
and she came from a small town in Virginia called Chuckatuck. Uh, she tasted like Marvel Lights and a beer called Red Dog. I don't think they make it anymore. Well, the beer I'm talking about. I'm pretty sure they still make the smokes. <laughs> God, God, I love that taste. When we made out, she, she, she had this southern accent that she tried to hide, but it would just sneak out when she got excited. With her chiseled face and her long brown hair, I remember she had two pillows with pictures of horses on them that she kept on her bed and a silver box where she kept condoms on her nightstand. When she wanted me to come over, she would light a candle and keep it on her windowsill. And I would crawl through my window of my apartment and walk across the roof to her window, of course, and just enter her bedroom and go right in. Now, Belle had huge, saggy breasts. Now, they bothered her more than they ever did me. And she was real self-conscious about them. When she lied on her back, it seemed like she had no breasts at all. They flopped on either side of her. Now, I really didn't care. We had great sex for an entire summer. And then she was gone, transferred to some far off city. And I, I still think of her whenever I see a clown tie balloon animals. You know, the kind out of those long, skinny balloons. Then there was Julie. I could make her laugh, and I'm a sucker for a girl who I can make laugh. She was from Ohio and had short brown hair. You wouldn't know it by looking at her, but uh, she'd been, as they say, around the block a few times. It's kind of like fucking a catcher's mitt. But again, I didn't mind. One day, she told me that one of her boobs was bigger than the other. Hell, I had never noticed it until she pointed it out to me. Then I, I became kind of fixated on it. I could have settled down with Julie, but I made that classic mistake of telling her that I think, you know, I was falling in love with her. And she freaked out. And I just, like that, it was over. Now, I'm not sure if I loved her, at all. It just kind of popped out. She wound up marrying a red-headed dentist and has two ginger kids and she seems quite happy and when I see her on Facebook I still try and see which boob is bigger than the other. Carmen was crazy. Mexican beautiful brown skin. Her dad was killed by a carjack when it slipped and the car crushed his head. Uh, she just mentioned that to me one day during sex. Uh, I was nuts over her and I, and I, and I, and she had me wrapped around her fingers. She was my first sex talker saying things like harder, harder. God, you're so deep in me and I'm so fucking wet. All this drove me nuts.
she wound up dating a dude about 20 years her senior with a Harley mo Davidson motorcycle. And the last I heard, she was a pharmacist in Las Vegas. She used to like me to rub her down with pear lotion. And I think of her whenever I smell pears. Or, to some extent, whenever I see a dude working under a car. Now, Kim and I were in training together. Now, although she wasn't drop-dead gorgeous, she was good-looking. I mean, freckles, dark hair, huge, huge breasts. Later on, she wound up getting a breast reduction surgery, which I thought was really quite selfish of her, but that's another story. We were always attracted to each other, but uh, she had this huge boyfriend who was a cheating piece of shit. And I had to hear about this guy every time we worked together. Now, one day I decided I was going to hop on a flight with her when she was working in New Orleans. Now, I should preference this by saying that New Orleans has always gotten me into trouble any time I was there. Got thrown out of a titty bar one time called Big Daddy's for trying to make change from the dollars, bills that were in the uh, G-strings of a hooker. I put in a five and tried to take out four ones. Now, her name was Jade, and she uh, was just dancing to make her money for culinary school. She was wearing a Wonder Woman pair of underoos and had yellow yarn for her magic lasso. But again, Doc, I digress. Back to Kim. Uh, well, one thing led to another, and we ended up sleeping together. Uh, it was basically a revenge fuck for her. And she let me know about it, and she turned out to be my first and only screamer, yelling my name out as loud as she could, so much so that I had to cup my hand over her mouth just to get her to shut up and make sure the hotel security didn't come to check out the room. Well, she wound up telling her boyfriend about it, and on top of it, he wanted to kill me. He hired a private detective to follow me around for a month to make sure I didn't fly with her anymore. Oh, and uh, she wound up blowing me in the bathroom of a 737, which is not my proudest moment, as uh, you can probably imagine. I don't remember the name of the next girl. I, I think she was looking for a place to live when I found her walking through the neighborhood. And we uh, found out we had a flight in common the next day. And we had a good time. And she invited me to come down to the uh, Sunrise Hotel off the Sunrise Highway. As uh, this was where she was staying in between trips. I remember she fucked like a ferret having a seizure. She had the Karma Sutra with her. And I could have used a shoehorn for a lot of those crazy pages. And at the time, for some reason, she stopped and decided to open up her computer and show me pictures of her twins and her husband. Didn't really have much to say about them. Later on in the night, I managed to dislocate my right shoulder doing something called the Congress of the Cow. And uh, I wound up driving myself home on a snowy highway with one arm, right down the old Sunrise Highway. And I had to pull into a bar called The Rail, 
and I had my friend Rob, who was a uh, policeman and a bartender for the 102, pop my arm back into place. Uh, he still laughs at that one. Ah, Jennifer. Jennifer was a gorgeous redhead, tall, and the, the night I slept with her, she wore green lingerie, which was incredible looking against her cream-colored skin. A, a, a gal who wears something like that knows she's going to get laid. She kept whispering, oh yes, daddy, in my ear as we fucked. It, it kind of weirded me out, but I, I got over it with a little time. I think she regretted the whole thing as she didn't call back for about a month. When she did call back, it was maybe four months later, but Daddy didn't really feel like calling her back. Carol would only make out if I played the Grand Canyon Suite by Ferdy Groff on this uh, record player that I had gotten at a thrift store. Now, as soon as I showed it to her, she ran home and brought the heavy 78 album over, drank wine, and we were rolling around within a few minutes of it starting. It's really a good record, and you should probably listen to it, Doc, if you get a chance. It's like 1931 or something. But she wouldn't fuck without it. That album. It got old after a while, but it was okay. I mean, it was a good piece of music. Yeah, you really should check it out. Linda was a dead ringer for the actress Julie Bowen. You don't know who Julie Bowen is? Well, well she's on that show Modern Family, the blonde. Now, although at the time, she was starring in a show called Ed. You'd never seen that either, Doc? It was a crazy show. It was about a lawyer who ran a bowling alley. Anyway, I had the biggest heart on for Julie Bowen. Uh, Google her. You, you, you can probably... Well, I, you can do it later, sir. Um, well, anyway, Linda looked just like her. We'd worked together for a few trips and got along really great. But imagine my surprise when at a party, as she was throwing up in some hydrangea bushes while I was holding her hair till she finished, she said she wanted to kiss me. But she had throw-up mouth. Well, she was uh, way out of my league, but I... I didn't, I did manage to get a trip with her a few weeks later. And I made the mistake of taking some pills that my gay pal Eddie gave me. And he told me to take them with gin, as he said it was fine. She came into my hotel room. The pill was just starting to take effect. And I felt like a corgi running around the apartment after it hears a doorbell. I'm sure my pupils probably looked like sharks. She had sweatpants and a sweatshirt on and two glasses of wine. What followed was one of the nights a man is lucky to have in a lifetime. I was massaging her as she said she had a rough day and off came the sweatshirt. And as I recall, 
She blew me, and her mouth felt like one of those velvet crown royal bags that old folks used to take to Atlantic City and fill them with quarters. Now this went on for hours. I mean, I, I was like I was at a golden corral and I wanted to sample everything. She finally told me, wow, we really have to wind you down. Now I later learned that the pill that Eddie gave me was a methamphetamine that a trucker gave Eddie. He gave Eddie at a rest stop he frequented. It was called a Scooby Snack. Uh, some real Johnny Cash type shit. Did I mention he also gave me a jar of poppers as well, which I deeply inhaled in the bathroom as I put on yet another condom. Y you ever try poppers, Doc? Uh, they go by the name of video head cleaners sometimes. You don't see them around too much anymore. At least they're harder to find now than they were back in the 90s. I, I wish I could remember more. We still worked another day together, and nothing else happened. I did wind up stealing all the liquor money from the aircraft and gave it to her so she could take a taxi back to uh, her apartment in the city. See, a girl like that, she belongs in the city, not Queens. I may have said, hey, maybe we can uh, go out on a real date sometimes, but she just smiled and hopped into a yellow cab and left. You see, Doc, as I pass my salad eating days, I think of the encounters that I've had all that time ago. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I love my wife and I can't let her into this dark little corner of my mind. Oh, now only I have the key and you know my booze and pill-stealing friend was right. It, it does feel good to talk to somebody. You ever hear that song by George Burns? Uh, he sings a song called I Wish I Was 18 Again. It's a great song. And it, it, there's a line in it that goes, I'll never again turn the young ladies' heads or, or go running off into the wind. I'm three quarters home from the start till the end, and I wish I was 18 again. You know, I, I like these memories. I mean, hell, as we grow older, what do we have if we don't have our memories? Right, Doc? Hey, you know, thanks for listening. I, I don't feel so bad now. Any chance that uh, you might get me a prescription for uh, any of those? Scooby Snacks? He said I'll never again Turn the young ladies' heads A go running off into the wind I'm three quarters home From the start to the end and I wish I was 18 again. Yeah, I could see that as a story. <laughs> I could see that movie. With Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, mine. Kickstarter might not be as much of an option of mine because financially, the way I would like to do this. Now, I took a, a t totally different approach to, to yours. Yours is like. Right. The short story that you would base the movie on 
yeah you know it's the story but that you've got yeah you've got enough sex in there to i'm dying to see the director on set directing a young lady to like more like a ferret yeah (laughs) more ferret like or a corgi (laughs) corgi yes big corgi right now um mine i as as a film student i started thinking of mine as a pitch but then it sort of got out of hand because then it turned into like, what would I, how would I do the script of the, how would I sequence this out? And then I started thinking about, okay, I'd have to research this, research this. And it started getting really long. So I figured I, I'm going to do sort of the PowerPoint um, ah. presentation of it, which is just sort of somewhere between a, a synopsis and a, as it were as much story as there's going to be in it um and uh and a pitch and uh now this movie could go both ways like uh the 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 name of the movie could also go two ways it could it's uh, my preference would be this is on the poster backstage pass but the p in pass is a tiny little p with a big old ass nice or it could just be or if you wanted to go full like real porno name the backstage ass although i'm sure there's backstage ass part one through 410 out there right now so i think i'd go i'd prefer backstage pass with a small p uh, <laughs> james brown style <laughs> um and there's two ways we could do this movie one's the expensive impossible way one is the the reasonably um reasonably reasonable way to make it and uh i even have a director in mind the director really? uh, john cameron mitchell you ever heard of hedwig and the Ang- angry Finch. Yeah. yep i would he did a movie after hedwig he did a movie called short bus that was about a sex therapist who couldn't have orgasms herself and you know the the stories of her clients and her trying trying to achieve or- orgasm and it had full sex in it musical sequences so i think he'd be set for the and he likes rock and roll too perfect and uh so if you did this expensive we're talking licensed songs like rock songs by the artists i'm referencing in in here it would be lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit nobody would ever license all this stuff out but that would or you know maybe this would have to but to make this movie on the sly it would be still be you couldn't make it on the sly because i i want to make it filmed in the style of say the the rocket man elton john movie that came out yeah kind of like very dramatic musical sequences very very like whimsical secrets uh, sequences that you wouldn't expect to to come out and all of a sudden it's yes dramatic. yes stuff that has a storyline and then could be completely sort of artistic and yeah that's and exactly stuff like what that it was like with high production high production value in the visual and the audio and the other the other way you could go with this is you know you could have the representations of the rock stars in there and write new songs in the style of but I wouldn't want them to be like Broadway play style songs. I would want them to be genuine rock songs. So that's where John Cameron Mitchell comes in. Then he would be director and probably 
in charge of writing writing the songs for it. All right. That being said, backstage pass is basically the history of rock and roll from a sex point of view. Wow. And, uh, which means with this movie though, I'm I'm whitewashing it a little bit because we're not since we're going into the world of porn. I there's a lot of rock and roll <laughs> that you can't like represent such as Jerry Lee Lewis marrying his 13 year old cousin oh yeah underage sex scandals stuff like that the 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 uglier side the abusive side of it is not what we're uh we can't what, we're, what we're exploring in this it's the show business side of the relationship between sex and rock and roll I can totally see what you're going for that at that it's ours are, are just like two totally different i love it see my i was going for mine was was like the devil and miss jones four. Yours is deeply the, personal yeah the devil and miss jones four you know the guy would be sitting there talking to the doctor smoking a cigarette telling him and then there was julie and then boom you would just go into the i see a beatnik in. guy i see basically you in a beatnik outfit with a beanie you know with a yeah. beatnik beanie on and a goatee you know lay, laying on the couch uh, even, yeah, even that, or I wouldn't mind like uh, uh, an older, an older guy. You know. Well, yeah, no, yeah, we're we're talking like a fifty-five, yeah. sixty-year-old. Yeah, 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 yeah. A beatnik, yeah, something like that would be great. You know, and and no doctor, just just talking to the doctor like he's there. You can tell he's in a doctor's office. Maybe just a white room, just in a chair and and glass of water, and a smoke. I, Pipe. Pipe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, my yours could be black and white. Oh, it could. It actually should maybe black and white in the in the psychiatrist's office and then color for oh, your youth. Yeah. We would have that Wizard of Oz action going on. Yeah. Mine could actually do that too. Mine could actually start black and white and go color in the first sequence. That's that's actually I, I might steal that. This so was what we do in show business this was fun I, I sat on the jump seat of the airplane for the past month or so scribbling down these stories where <laughs> everyone was asking me what i was doing and i would let a couple of people know and a couple of people i wouldn't because i said i think you might know. <laughs> right <laughs> i think you might know this one here so no so, you can't you can't read this one here so putting but, it out there dario yeah what's that you're putting it out there See, I'm on mine. I'm playing it. I'm well. I'm I'm playing. You're 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 like, you're inviting like personal <laughs> retribution. I'm I'm inviting lawsuits, <laughs> <laughs> restraining orders, and uh, cease and desists. Yeah, the names but, have changed to protect the innocent in mind. But maybe I'll paint enough of a picture of this, you know. Uh, with this, just to to get the idea across. But yeah, this is gonna be. The, it and it's the the way I'm thinking of it now is kind of a little weird because you know you could I, I I thought of it like should it be a series of in, vignettes or whatever but then I I really only there there were only two that I thought were like that I wanted to really dedicate a vignette to so it's it's strange it's going to start out with um. Well, maybe it won't start out this way because I have uh, I have a way that uh, 
I want to bring it out into a title sequence. So it'll start with a title opening sequence where uh, we, we aren't going to see the title, the actual title of the movie till the till the end of the opening sequence. And maybe it might be spelled out in cartoon semen. No, like, nice. uh, like greases. Well, greases, it's about, but you know, like the, the words grease comes up in the movie. Yeah. Grease. <clears throat> but it's going to start out with um, um, probably maybe, a, you know, something like a, uh, a Chuck Berry or maybe even somebody a little more like poppy like chubby checker song oh but it, old, it's old gonna be chubby checker Obscure it's gonna chubby. be a bunch of bunch of teeny boppers at home like going out and uh get getting ready to go out in their bobby socks and bye mom bye dad and off with their with their boyfriend and they're and they're making out to to some chubby checker or something in the back seat of a car or whatever and, but then like you know, they're making out in the car. Maybe they're at a concert and then they're out in the car. And uh, and this this will be, you know, a, a sort of flowing sequence. So they'll be in the car, but next thing you know, you'll see them get out of the car and all these girls and they'll they'll just sort of be skipping down the road. And the next thing you know, they're they're going up the, the path to Graceland and they're going and, you know, they're shuttled into a room by some of the Memphis Mafia. And they're just in a room, like, taking their clothes off and giggling and talking to each other in their white cotton panties as the camera slides back to reveal Elvis just sort of, like, bored and sweaty and sloppy, like, masturbating behind a one-way mirror or two-way <laughs> mirror, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then then they they're going you know the next thing you know they're they're backstage like blowing the beatles uh, but then the beatles pass them off to the role you know the so, role they're the sa- so they're the same chicks same chicks nice yeah, same, same chicks and it's all you know one sequence you know so that and and it's and it'll flow in the rolling stones and it's gonna get a little more little more depraved as it goes along there's more liquor being passed along and joints being passed around and like for a while you'll see somebody like on the nod on a couch or something like that and then you know and then they're having sex with the rolling stones and one of the girls looks down and sees a fish on the ground and the other girls see it and then the fish starts sliding away because it's on a hook and they follow the fish up the hook, and then they walk right up the side of the building, a la old Batman 66, okay. into a hotel room, and it's Led Zeppelin. And and Led Zeppelin's got a shark in the bathtub that they're cutting up and, you know, getting ready to insert into private parts of girls and and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, you, you, you see, and Jimmy Page is sitting, like, on a throne, like a dark magician like overseeing groups of groupies on the ground and then you see a whole bunch of like the 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 women start like getting organized and like getting a little more a little more dominating towards the rock stars and teaming up and then the next thing you see is a bunch of the plaster casters uh making plaster casts of of rock stars dicks and as they pull all the dicks out of the the plaster cast, they all ejaculate, spelling out the words backstage ass. Backstage. Beginning of the movie. 
And then we start out with two, just a little, remember the beginning of Monty Python's Meaning of Life where you just sort of had the little short movie? We're going to have two short short movies at the beginning of this one. And this one starts out, the first one's called Put a Spell on You. And it's, uh, and it, and it's you know, has a title card, 2000. And it's the funeral of Jalacy Hawkins, or Screamin' Jay Hawkins, who died in 2000, had six wives, yep, and up to, as far as anyone knows, 57 to 75 kids. Wow. And there have been family reunions. So <laughs> there was a there was and now is archived at jayskids.com. <laughs> <laughs> a website where you could go and they were they were tracking down all his kids. A wonderful reference point. So put a spell on you starts out at his funeral with a casket, a closed casket, and just women crying of all ages. Uh, you know, children, women, families, ex-wives, grill, children, grandchildren, and with, the, with of course with the song "Put a Spell on You" playing. And he kicks open his casket and comes out as a withered old, old screaming Jay Hawkins singing the song, but starts walking, walking away. As he walks away from the casket, he's getting a little younger and getting a little younger. And just, it's just like a a descending sequence of him just sleeping, you know, alternately grabbing a microphone on stage and performing and then in another town with another woman spreading his seed. Then the second one is uh, called Corner Cleaners. Corner. And and we'll probably cut into that like from a a car on the road. And that cuts to the 80s and it's the Go-Go's who are the squeaky clean sort of pop band. But they've decided that they're going to out perform all the the guy rock and rollers in their depravity and drug use and that they used to play a game called corner cleaners where they when uh, they were on the road and all wasted they would pull into a a uh, a rest stop and they would find they would go into the men's room and find the gro- see who dared lick out the lick the grossest corner <laughs> of the men's room clean and then they would film themselves, like, you know, sexually berating groupies backstage and stuff like that. And uh, that's going to to lead into. Well, I think it was Jane, the girl Jane, and what ended up being a a, a bondage, um, working in the a dominatrix basically. And uh, so we'll, we'll in the middle of there. Um, things we're going to go to the main sequence of you know there that when once they get into their depravity it's going to get to the main sequence which is basically as a a giant say dark brothers meets hedwig and the angry inch just the a massive orgy sequence what music all kinds of music because it's going to be changing all the time so you know you have your standard rock and roll sex drugs rock and roll picture where like if you want to take i think you know you're just sort of generic perfect envisioning of it 
it would be like Motley Crue, you know. Here is this this hair metal band, you know, not the most intelligent band, the you know, just a pop band that fully leaned into the the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. They you know they wrote their book telling all their stories. So there's a million stories of them. So it's gonna start sort of in that world of the the heavy metal, Motley Crue, Led Zeppelin. Um, you know, those type of bands that were just, you know, huge and bathed themselves in groupies. The Rolling Stones, you know, were like that. And p- pretty much any band that could get away with it. But, you know, we're going for the most iconic visually and the most expensive license-wise, of course. But money is no too. object. So you're going to start with this just huge sequence and as and and a la like say a dark brothers movie like it was filmed in a dark warehouse where <laughs> love it a minute you're in this like weird psychedelic satanic witchy sort of part you know where it's uh it's more of a southern california vibe with charles manson girls and the eagles and and oh, stuff you. you know hotel california style you know lion and uh, and get lion eyes in there that, that west coast depravity but then you have like um so you know just sort of your basic and it's very male you know that 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 type is very male oriented but then you'll start seeing you know in the middle of all the like heavy metal madness like Rob Halford from Judas Priest sneaks off to the side gets himself a little blowjob nods his head and there's Freddie Mercury you know and and Elton John all the sort of you know you, you, you're getting into the more the, the bi gay guys and then you have them you know all this has to be very artistically interpreted but you have some of them that were sort of closeted then you had the Freddie Mercury's who were just like oh fuck anything and uh, so you'll have them go, you, you'll have that kind of sex going on, but sometimes it'll be off in the shadows, you know, and and you, you'd probably have someone like David Bowie just marching through all of it, just like, yes, <laughs> I like it all. Ah. But, um, you, you, you'll get to one area and it'll be the, it'll be the, um, maybe you'll start out with uh, James Brown and Little Richard. And uh, eventually end up into two live crew, you know, two live crew doing their their thing with naked groupies, Snoop Doggy Dog filming a porno. Um, you you get to the area of that's that's all the <clears throat> the 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 circle of exhibitionism. You know, you got Iggy Pop laying his dick down on the speaker, and uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers out there with their with with socks on their dicks. I love you got some hip hop in there too. That's awesome. It's everything. Yeah, Wendy o, Wendy o Williams with her with her with her with her uh, electrical tape on her nipples. Courtney Love showing her basically whatever. <laughs> Little Kim, you got Janet Jackson's tits gonna pop out. Jim Morrison drunkenly, you know, pulling his flaccid wiener that wiener out and waggling it along. And. uh that's basically 
it. It's got to build towards. Um, I think the thing that will end the movie is uh, I'm going to go for the traditional uh, porn ending where everybody has an orgasm and then the movie's over in the orgy because that's how orgies end is just a massive shot of, of orgasms going along the line. At some point during the orgasm part, the, the maybe we'll end with a punchline. And after the orgasm part, the last thing you'll see are all these like Navy seamen zipping up their flies and Rod Stewart getting carted away on a gurney with his belly bulging <laughs> by, by, to an ambulance. You know, the end. <laughs> it's that's all, folks. <laughs> I love it. it. It's like nonstop. I can see like nonstop room to room constant 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 stimulation to the eye not a moment to turn away here's the problem that needs to be refined into like definite sequences this is this is clay to be worked with because if i worked this into sequences i think i would have had to been like dario we need to delay this six months (laughs) because i need to spend some serious time thinking this through because i was thinking it through as if i was actually going to make it into a movie and it was turning into way more work than i could possibly imagine you're a student of film man that's the way your mind that's the way your mind works of course that's what you're gonna want to do right right now we're at the phase of there i just threw everything up against the wall but in the hands of someone like John Cameron Mitchell, oh yeah, he could start shaping that into. There's and you know there's a lot of um, beautiful and and sort of dark and also kind of ugly things you could weave into it too and into the different aspects of it. As I said, we we're not going to get into the, <laughs> the 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 go to jail parts of yeah. uh, of rock and roll. That might be another move. That might be the sequel. Although Absolutely. it would be, yeah, you probably shouldn't film it. Because <laughs> usually what they got what they got in trouble for was filming something that was illegal. <laughs> no, I, 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 I get this picture of like, until it's broken down into bits of like this long, continuous... Um, music video you know dun, 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 dun. there's entering different rooms and all this stuff is happening and then they're going into the other room and boom 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 yeah i can see it it's a work of genius my friend all right everybody um go to our kickstarter if you want <laughs> yeah of, of course you know you we're definitely we're definitely uh to hear you know i'm i'm, I'm willing to star in, in in the movie, you know, just give Any me about producers out there listening. You know, six months, and I'll and I'll uh, I'll eat some more of, of of this fried chicken with the monosodium glutenate, and I'll probably drop about 150 pounds. I'll be ready. <laughs> you know, but but yeah, uh, another wonderful. I mean, tell me what what other podcast brings people into realms like we're doing? No one has ever done. This is truly uncharted territory, you know. It it this is like masterpiece theater, you know. It's more like masturbatory theater. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I don't know how we're gonna top this next month, folks. But 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 I'm sure. But I'm sure we'll we'll come close, or 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 even better. Who knows? Maybe we'll get the Kickstarter going. <laughs> Maybe by then we'll have the Kickstarter, and you'll hear like just the huge change in our budget. But until then, we'll see you at the movies. Yeah, and anyone that does donate money will get a free Crown Royal Velvet Pouch. Filled with quarters. Filled, of course. <laughs> Filled with quarters, folks. Quarters. website at two true freaks.com two true freaks is always spelled t-w-o-t-r-u-e-f-r-e-a-k-s you can email two true freaks directly at two true freaks at gmail.com two true freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on itunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow we have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Years ago, when I had my own restaurant, most proper item on the menu was fried chicken. It was much better than the usual southern fried chicken that most folks were used to, because I always did cook good chicken. Folks that came to my place to eat loved it, but I wasn't satisfied. Well, sir, one day I was cooking chicken for some folks going on a boat ride, and I decided to try a little change in my chicken recipe to see what they'd think. So instead of using just the 10 herbs and spices that I'd always used, I decided to add the 11th ingredient, don't you see? Well, the minute I tasted that chicken, I knew I'd made the best fried chicken that had ever been cooked. 
That recipe of 11 herbs and spices makes chicken so delicious that I haven't changed it to this very day. And now it's known all over the world as Colonel Sanders' original recipe of Kentucky Fried Chicken. My original recipe, chicken, is special, but there's a whole lot more to it than just the 11 herbs and spices. So you just sit a spell and let me tell you why it's so much better than what those other folks sell. To begin with, I'm particular about the kind of chicken I use. They have to be government-inspected, grade-A broiler fryers, and they have to be fresh. And then, even though those fellows at the government do good work, each chicken is inspected again, piece by piece, right there in the Kentucky Fried Chicken store. When the inspections are done, and the raw chicken is ready to be cooked, it's dipped in a mixture of milk and egg. Now I use a milk and egg dip because it adds to the flavor of the cooked chicken, don't you see, and gives the chicken a nice golden brown color. And then, too, when you dip the chicken in milk and egg, it makes the raw chicken sticky, so the breading will have something besides skin to stick to. And after the chicken has been dipped in the milk and egg dip, I dump it into the breading mix. Now, this breading mix is not just flour. It's my special seasoned breading. To begin with, it's a high-quality flour that's been carefully blended with salt and then mixed with my secret recipe of 11 herbs and spices. And to make sure that you get a full flavor of those secret ingredients, I don't just dump the chicken in and push it around a bit. No, sir. Each piece of chicken gets this special breading folded and pressed onto it until there's a nice even coating covering the whole piece. Then I gently tap the pieces of chicken a time or two to shake off the loose breading and set them on a tray till I finish with the other pieces. Now, as soon as I get enough chicken breaded, it's got to be cooked. When I cook my original recipe chicken, I only use pure all-vegetable shortening. And I never cook anything else in that shortening because I don't want you to taste anything but the delicate flavor of the chicken. Now my chicken is cooked with a lot of attention to the temperature of the shortening, the pressure of the cook pot, and the length of time that you cook it. All of these things are important because the pressure keeps the chicken juicy, sealing in all the natural goodness, and the right temperature keeps it from getting greasy or dry. And watching the time makes sure that it's done just right. Well, there you have it. The secret to Colonel Sanders' original recipe of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Good chicken coated with the, with the milk and egg dip, breaded with my secret recipe of 11 herbs and spices, then cooked in the all-vegetable shortening while I make sure that the pressure, temperature, and time are just right. You know, they tell me that we have over 6,500 Kentucky Fried Chicken stores in 48 countries around the world now. And there are a lot of young folks who are mighty proud to be able to cook chicken in the same way that I do. They take great pride in serving a fried chicken that's golden brown with a soft, flavorful crust on the outside and moist, tender, juicy meat on the inside. I know because it's always cooked in the same way, the way I taught them. And that makes me proud, proud enough to say, Whenever you're looking for good fried chicken, go to a Kentucky Fried Chicken store and ask for some of my original recipe chicken. If you haven't tasted it before, you've got a real treat in store.